listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab podcast. I'm here with Anna Barber. Anna, in one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. Anna Barber, partner M13. It's great to be here, Barbara. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Thank you for coming on and telling your story. What inspired you to become a venture capitalist or an investor? I love that question, but I have to be honest, I did not dream at any point of becoming an investor. What I was really trying to do in this last phase of my career was help founders. So I became an accidental investor because I got very interested in helping founders become better leaders and understand their own blind spots and growth opportunities. Um, After my own journey as an entrepreneur, I was actually setting out to be a coach when I was offered the opportunity to become an investor by running Techstars LA. And I have found that investing is a great vehicle to do what I love and pursue that mission of helping founders be the best versions of themselves. Oh, that's awesome. Love that. What is your kind of investment thesis and what is the motivation behind that? Let me talk about M13 because that's where I'm a partner at M13, which is a a large fund with many partners of which I'm one. M13 was founded by Carter and Courtney Ream, who had been operators before that. So they had founded a company called V, a better for you vodka. And they had a thesis around building a venture fund formed of operators who could not only make good investing decisions, but actually roll up their sleeves and work alongside their portfolio to help build generational companies. We're now investing out of the third fund. We have 10 partners, five focused on investing and five focused on portfolio support. And we invest in the future of consumer behavior. So we invest in enabling technologies across digital health, the future of work, e-commerce and consumer fintech. Um, And for us, that includes also Web3 as a really strong through line and all that. And we mostly invested Series A. So we like to lead Series A deals. And so early on, they invested in some iconic companies like Rothy's, like Thrive Market, like Ring and Pinterest. More recently, we have companies in our portfolio like Chef and Row and Passport and Stepin the Web3 company. So Mm. we've evolved the thesis over time, but still with that same commitment to backing great founders and really applying all of our collective experience as operators to helping them, helping them grow. That's great. That's really unique and different. I like that. What are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Me personally, I've got a real interest and commitment in a few things. One is investing in underrepresented founders. So across my work at Mm -hmm. Techstars and the Fund LA, which is a pre-seed fund, 
that I co-founded prior to M13 and then also M13. I am interested in backing women and backing people of color and also in in companies that support women and underrepresented people in their economic journey or in terms of kind of cultural access. So right now, a couple of places I'm really digging in are future of work. I'm really Mm -hmm. interested in how the world of work is changing. I've got this idea. We're moving away from an era where secure income security means having a job at a company that's going to give you that security and that people, the next generation of workers is going to want to and also need to create their own income security through having multiple streams of diversified income, which when you think about it, that's a lot more secure than relying on one source. Because if you rely on one source and you lose that job, all of your income- All that's gone. Right. So I think it's an exciting time, honestly, in the world of work and what's happening with freelancing and not just the gig economy. Of course, we're all familiar with things such as driving Uber or renting Mm -hmm. your house on Airbnb, but there's a lot of ways to find work in sort of fractional ways and have a career that's more like a portfolio career where you're doing multiple things across very different industries. So I've been thinking a lot about that. I've also been reading a lot about and thinking a lot about Web3 and what it really means for the future. We've gone through a couple of these kind of technology innovation cycles, whether it's The dot-com, the advent of dot-com, the advent of mobile, the advent of cloud. So I'm thinking right. about what does it mean? What kind of, what are the new businesses that Web3 are going to enable us to create? And what I find exciting about it is that those businesses are about community ownership and shared purpose. Yes. They're yes. about privacy and owning your own data. And this next generation of companies that's going to be built with these technologies, I think it's going to be very beneficial for consumers. Yeah. And Web3 is also about interactivity. How are you dealing with online, offline simultaneously? How are you interacting online and offline at the same time? That's right. Because it's not just full online. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves to Web3. Because I think Web3 is user interface. That's what I believe in. Bonus question. Everyone gets it. In two years when we're talking, how do you see investing having changed or evolved in the next kind of two years? How do you see the trajectory of that? So I think we're in the middle of a transition right now. So we've had Mm -hmm. a five-year kind of bull run of free-flowing capital, a really strong economy, everything's moving up into the right. And I think what that's done is put both founders and investors in the mindset that we're really looking for growth and that growth above all else, because growth is what's going to get you to that next capital round and allow you to keep moving forward. And we're now a bit off that merry-go-round. So I think the benefit of being off that merry-go-round of just focusing on growth is that We can go back to basics and fundamentals and focus on what problems are we solving for customers and building a business more thoughtfully without this pressure to grow. And I look at that as a good thing because it gives people more space to really listen more deeply to their customers and make sure the products they're building and the ways they're taking them to market are actually solving real problems for customers. So I think we'll see some fantastic businesses built in the next two years that had the time and space to grow in that more thoughtful way. Yeah, I like that. I think I agree with that. I like that because I think sometimes in that frenzy to grow, you may be missing something from your customer's perspective. 
And so yes. we may not quite a hundred percent get into that product. Yeah, you know, that's why sometimes it takes them a long time to get in the product market fit because they really were just trying to grow, 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 and they really didn't get the problem they were solving. Yeah. And maybe they weren't even looking at the right things because they were yes. only looking at top line customer acquisition and not thinking about retention. We've got more time to mm-hmm. think about, are your customers really sticking around and do they really love your product? That's that's when you have a win. I also think about when yes. we think about the next two years and this idea, back to this idea of work and what's changing with work, I would love it if in two years... We see some great businesses built that provide new ways of working and sources of income for people, new ways of finding meaningful and really lucrative work, like in a Mm -hmm. freelance way, ways for people to meaningfully build revenue from themselves for themselves, either by opening an e-commerce store on Instagram, as an example, if we think about the creator economy or doing marketing projects, one off through a labor marketplace, just there's, there's a lot of innovation happening right now and creating different income streams. And I think over the next two years, we'll see that really blossom. Yeah, that's, I think work is forever changed, right? Yeah. And then as a as corporations too, how are they thinking about evolving their workforces. Some people are like, well, you have to come back to work. But what does that really mean now? (laughs) Yeah. Some people don't want to go back in an office. Some people have gotten the balance of their life, right? Because you were forced to go work from home. And now you've figured out this, these balances in your life and, you know, less commuting, What do all of these things look like? Yeah. And employees are asking for and looking for something different. Yes. And so I think companies are now responding to the shift in the labor marketplace. And we've invested actually behind that thesis. I invested in a company called WeCare that is a childcare marketplace provided as an employee benefit. So employers are realizing they need to support their workforce by helping them access affordable childcare. Yes, that's Um, been a problem for a long time. (laughs) Exactly. And right now we're seeing a lot of attention on this and a lot of companies like WeCare that are growing because employers are coming to the table and wanting to do this for their workforce. And then Mm -hmm. we also need our workplaces to be more transparent, more inclusive. There's companies like All Voices that are all voices is a platform for reporting workplace issues anonymously. Mm -hmm. And so employers are realizing they need to create a culture that is inclusive and that works, whether it's remote or in person, higher workforce. Yep. So, because they see that workers now have a choice of building this independent career, they don't have to sign up for a full-time job. And so in order to become competitive for those workers, these workplaces have to make that an amazing place to work. Absolutely. 100%. Very important. So this is going to be exciting to see in the next couple of years here. Yeah, well, All right. The How? last thing I just love to touch sure. on since we're in LA is I yes. I'm so excited about what's happening in the LA ecosystem. So LA has really gotten super great. <laughs> it has. And People I feel are like, like, why are you in LA? LA is super great right now. <laughs> I feel like it's been great for a long time. And maybe now everyone yes. else is like noticing. Figured yeah. it out now, finally. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's exciting to see a lot of the most innovative new companies coming out of mm-hmm. LA and just all the activity of venture and startups and investing here in this place that we've been working for so long. 
Yeah, it's been exciting from the venture side, right? A lot of new funds are getting started here and a lot of good investing and investors are coming here as well, which is really great because then the support for the startups can be more and bigger and they can go up the investing stack a little bit more easily, which would be great. That's right. It's just a more developed ecosystem even than it was five years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. So how do people contact you? I'm pretty easy to reach. I'm Anna W. Barber on Twitter and my DMs there are open. So that is a great place to connect with me. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Anna Barber from M13 for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thanks, Barbara. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N dot com to find out more. Find us on Apple on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.